going to do it again. I have a lot to say about where we are with Brett Kavanaugh, the Me Too movement more generally, and then maybe a video of someone who's deconverted from the faith. We'll try to get there and more on today's Corey Act show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening, and I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. I am coming to you midweek. So this is before the Thursday hearing that is going to feature Judge Kavanaugh and one of his accusers, Christine Blasey Ford. I suspect I will end up doing an additional podcast after that event, but just in case you are listening live on Christian Talk 660 and WLFJ, and I hope you are there live on Saturday mornings, just so you know, everything you're about to hear was before those hearings. So if something went crazy on the during those hearings on Thursday, I don't know that yet. And uh, certainly go find the podcast at CoreyTruax.com, Apple Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, Stitcher. We are everywhere now. SoundCloud.com slash CoreyTruax to get the show. If something crazy happens on Thursday, I will certainly do another episode and get back into it. But it, I would open with this. I'm just I'm just discouraged, I think. I, it's, it started with anger, fairly angry, about how this is getting talked about and how we are addressing allegations from women and it it has angered a lot of folks that I've picked up along the way. You know, I lost a lot of listeners during the Donald Trump primary. We can rehash all that someday, maybe, and how maybe we could I could have handled that differently. I don't know. But I so I saw my numbers go down. When you're a podcaster, you can see that. You can see people disappearing. But then you can also see when you're growing. And I was growing with a specific group of people who don't really agree with me. On much, And it was really good to dialogue with those folks. And I have made them all angry in how I'm handling this. But I have to tell you, the, the same exact principles that make me never Trump are the same principles now that say Brett Kavanaugh needs to be on the Supreme Court. It, they're principles that are about truth. What is right? What is wrong? And what can we determine by reason? These are the principles and of course with me, always biblically, these are the things we're, we're looking to solve. And, and these are the, the, not really the solve, these are the the glasses through which I look. This is the, the window tinting. I'm looking through, through, looking through a biblical worldview, and then after that biblical worldview, the, the idea is reasonability. What is rational? What is reasonable? What is true and what is false? And so now I got everybody mad at me, and so I'm just going to dive in here with the things that have been bothering me as I've witnessed how this has gone down in the media, how it's gone down on social media, some things that are being said that are just stupid. They're outright dumb, they're dangerous, and they need to get corrected. And I will start, I will start all that in just a moment. My name is Corey Truax, securing the blessings of liberty since 1986. We are dedicated to better, deeper talk here on the Corey Truax Show. I think it's better, deeper, smarter talk and certainly a lot faster talk. Uh, I also serve as the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets on Sunday mornings at Greenville High School in downtown Greenville. You are cordially invited to join us any given Sunday morning for Beachwood Church at Greenville High School in downtown Greenville. Here's where I have to begin. When I originally talked about this with somebody, I was mad. I, I, I got fired up, like more, more than usual for me, and so let me try to not emote on this. One of the things I heard this week was a new hashtag. It wasn't quite trending, but it was being used on Twitter a good bit, and the sentiment was being expressed on radio and on TV. The hashtag was hashtag believe women, 
or hashtag believe survivors. I even heard someone on social media basically say, we just we have to believe women when they make these allegations. So with as much gentleness as I can, let me say this. That's a really dumb thing to say. There is no rationality to the idea that we just believe women. This is not, a, what I'm about to give you is not my opinion. I'm right. If you disagree, you're wrong. This is not, this is not a matter of opinion. Don't believe women. Equally, don't believe men. Here's what you should believe. The truth. The truth determined by facts and reason, corroboration. That's what you believe. Truth is not gendered. Because the person making a claim is the possessor of ovaries does not make their claim any more believable. And the lack of ovaries does not make someone less believable. That's irrational. It's unreasonable. In the idea that we outright believe women because they said it, no, I refuse, and you should refuse too, whoever you are. We believe facts, we believe reason, we believe evidence. That's what we believe. And so where you've heard that, just throw that junk out. That's not, that's not even worth... That, that is not thinking. That is feeling. And we got to be people who think. Now, another problem. Here is what, thus far, as midweek, as I'm talking, there have been two people accused Brett Kavanaugh of two things. Christine Blasey Ford says that when they were teenagers, she doesn't know where, she doesn't know what, what year even, when they were teenagers, they were all drunk at a gathering, he took her to a room, like threw, threw her in a room, he had a friend there, that friend also denies this ever happened, and he fondled her, uh, and because of his drunken state, falls off of her, and she escapes the scenario. This other woman who came forward in either the New Yorker or the New York Times over the weekend says that, uh, well, she said it in more technical language, so let me just be juvenile and say it this way. She claims that at a party, when they were both at Yale, that Brett Kavanaugh dropped his pants and and thrust his junk into her face. That's what she says. Now, she... Here's the problem for both of them. None of them have any kind of proof whatsoever. It really is just a she said. She j- they're just saying it happened. Especially the second, the second accuser is worse than the first. She says other people were at the party. And with all of the resources of the New York Times and the New, and the New Yorker, organizations who are motivated to find those people, they can't find no one else. You can find no one else from this party to say that Brett Kavanaugh did this. Not only that, You can't find any witnesses that say he was even there, even in the building. So I have a woman who says this thing happened, and I have no corroboration whatsoever from anybody, and I'm just supposed to believe her? Let me say this. No! I don't believe you! To Blazy Ford. I'll give you maybe a theory on what I think might have happened with her, but no, I, I, I I can't just believe you with no corroboration at all. If the best you can give me is, I passed a polygraph, which is junk science. There's a reason we don't use it in criminal law. It's, it really just measures your physiological reaction to lies. And some people, most people, when they lie, certain things happen with their body. And if you believe what you're saying is true, and I don't even doubt she believes what she's saying is true, then your body reacts that way. I mean, no, that's not... Your polygraph that you took doesn't mean... It means nothing to me. The... Uh, the fact that you told a, a therapist a story that actually contradicts the story you're giving now and you never mentioned Kavanaugh's name. 
no, I don't believe you. you. Your biggest problem here is you lack proof. Here's the other problems I'm having with them. The timing is suspect. I, I, I am not going to rule out the idea of political motivation here. Both of these women are left-wingers. They are liberals. And they've associated themselves with liberals. The law, the law firms they're working with, the lawyers they're working with, are big donors. They are left-wing Democratic interests. This is one, I'll get, since, uh, hey, Christine Blasey Ford doesn't have to offer any proof, I'm not going to offer any proof either. I'll just go and give you what I think happened with her. I'll, I'll hold myself to the same standard everyone's holding her to. You just have to believe me because I'm saying it. I think something bad happened to her. I think she probably was assaulted in some way. I mean, maybe she slightly remembers Brett Kavanaugh from her youth. And as this, this Trump thing has happened, there, there is some derangement surrounding him. There are some folks who are very emotionally affected by him. If you listen to the show, you know I can't stand the guy. He's a garbage human being. But I, I wouldn't doubt that she is overlaying. She's impressing upon a Trump-associated justice a bad thing that happened to her in some way. And I can just say that, and I don't have to offer any proof because she doesn't have to either. And so you have this timing that's very suspect, specific to this hearing. Brett Kavanaugh has been a public figure for years. He's a, He had to go through confirmation processes for the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, or whatever one he's on, maybe fifth or third. He's He has been named the nominee for months. And you come forward with this after he's already testified? You come forward, forward with this the weekend before he's supposed to get confirmed? And then almost like it was planned, right before you're supposed to come back and make your statement, another woman comes forward, and so everyone asks to keep pushing the date back? I can't imagine what you're trying to, what you would be trying to defer to. I wonder what date might be acceptable to you. I don't know. Maybe after the midterm elections that are coming up in a month. It is hard not to see this timing as more than coincidental, that it leaks out piece by piece, and that the the sentiment being expressed is then just delay, 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 while we're coming up to an election with the idea that, hey, the, I think the Democrats have a decent chance, pretty good chance, of taking the Senate. And they're just trying to shut down having a nine-person Supreme Court. They're trying to shut this process down altogether. There's no evidence, and the timing is bad. The timing does not help your argument for, it, for there to be credibility to it. It is much too suspect. The timing of even this woman who says Brett Kavanaugh exposed himself at this Yale party. You're in a room with lawyers for five or six days, and you rediscover a memory you didn't have? Listen, I don't know if it happened to you or not. You might, they might be both telling the truth. What I am telling you is if you can't provide any kind of corroboration, you don't get to ruin this man's life. You don't get to do that. There, there is some responsibility you must bear for actually telling your story previous to 30 years after it happened. You might be too late, okay? There's a consequence to actions. And one of the consequences of you waiting decades to tell these stories might be you're, you might have lost too much credibility here, okay, ladies? I'm sorry. If a thing actually did happen to you, that's terrible. But there's just not a reason to believe you. You're associated with left-wing causes. Your timing is very suspect. And if you wanted to build your own credibility, why did you go to these lawyers? Why did you go to these particular groups? You immediately hurt your credibility by doing it that way. And then asking for delays and trying to go slow. through. Keep getting this on Facebook from people. Why don't we just slow down? 
how, how long do you want to slow down? Again, is it after the election? Is that how, is that how much you want to slow? And there's, what do you think you're going to find if we slow down? They have a story to tell. If they had other evidence, you know, I think they'd probably bring it up. They don't have any evidence. They have their word. All right, so let's get them. Let's get them on. Let's, let's put them under oath. If they're willing to testify under oath, that, I guess there's some credibility that comes with that. But beyond that, I, I can't believe you, and you don't get to stop a constitutionally necess- pro- uh, necessitated process for 320 million people. We've literally stopped the business of the country for an uncorroborated stance, an uncorroborated claim. That's an insane way to run a government. I have a lot more things I want to get to more broadly on this and some of the politics associated with it and another video I do want to try to get to if we have time. So come back for more. We'll continue this conversation on The Corey Truax Show. Welcome back to The Corey Truax Show. Thank you for sticking with us. Connect to the show on your, at your convenience on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. And send anything you want to be covered on the show to those mediums as well. I always appreciate when you do my work for me and send me show prep. So talking specifically in the first segment more about these two ladies specifically, and I want to do that more, but it's really now more broadly going towards the Me Too movement generally and some arguments I'm hearing against Kavanaugh that are garbage. They're terrible arguments. The, the man should be confirmed. I, I can't help but know. I, no further, no, I'm sure of it. If, if the parties were reversed, the Democrats would say, this is a smear campaign. It's obviously well-coordinated. The timing is too suspect. Uh, there's no proof here. We're moving forward. He'd already be confirmed. He'd already be on the Supreme Court by now uh, because they don't play. Uh, they aren't intimidated. They get what they want on the left. That's how they operate. But, but Republicans have been weak here. They have not handled this correctly. In any event, here's some other things I wanted to get to. I was listening to NPR at the gym uh, on, uh, well, I guess Tuesday or Wednesday, because I can I know how to party. I'm a fun person. And there was they had a woman on who was supposed to be talking about the situation with these women and them testifying. And she actually brought up, she said the words, well, you know, and today Bill Cosby is going to be sentenced for, and she started going through what's happened with Bill Cosby. And I just wanted to yell there in the gym. What happens more broadly with Me Too, because that's her argument. Her argument is, this just fits into a larger narrative about sexual assault amongst women. No, it doesn't. This is a particular woman, now two particular women, with particular claims at times, at places. And Blazy Ford can't even give us a time and a place. This is a real person, a real man with a real wife and a real kids. This does not fit into a broader narrative. It's not about the broader problem with sexual assault. I can work with you on that. If you are concerned about how women have been treated historically and right now, and how power structures have even hidden those things, and how power structures even might have women be quiet about them, I will work with you. I could stand shoulder to shoulder with you. I don't know if you could stand shoulder to shoulder with me, but I would be on your side of that. But those aren't relevant to this. Very intelligent people I know, even on social media, have ter- have turned this into, well, no well, if you put this into the more broad context, more broadly, women don't usually lie about this. And more broadly, that doesn't matter. The more broadly doesn't matter. That is utterly irrelevant to this conversation, to whether or not these women are telling the truth. And they have, there's no evidence to believe that they are telling the truth. It doesn't matter what the broader conversation is about sexual assault. The Me Too movement is not relevant to these claims. 
I had, you know, I, I witnessed a conversation between pro-Kavanaugh and an anti-Kavanaugh person where both people were talking about irrelevant things. One was saying, uh, was putting up, putting up a study that showed that women don't lie about this typically. When they're saying they were sexually assaulted, they're usually telling the truth. And then the pro-Kavanaugh person responded with an equally reputable source, an equally rep reputable study. They both look like they're true studies. And the their st the conservative person, or at least the Kavanaugh person, said that study uh, showed of all the reported crimes, sexual assault is most often the one lied about. So it may not happen much, but if, if people are going to lie about sexual assault or a robbery, they're going to lie about sexual assault. If they're going to false report... Uh, vandalism, they're more likely to to false report a sexual assault. And both of those studies can be true at the same time, but here's what's true of both of them. Neither one of them matter! They're not relevant to this. It doesn't matter if women don't typically lie. It doesn't matter if it's a, uh, a crime that's more uh, falsely reported than other crimes, because that's not this situation. This is a specific one. We're not talking about the broad thing. What folks want to do for some reason is overlay, put on top of this specific situation, a more general problem. And you don't get to do that. That's ir unreasonable. That's irrational. That is not how we determine truth in these situations. And then to even act like this whole thing is typical, that argument there would be, well, and typically when sexual assault stuff happens, this is what the odds are. It doesn't matter what's typical. Guys... Ladies, when you are quoting studies and situations regarding sexual assault claims, do you know how many of those women have claimed sexual assault against someone who is being nominated to the Supreme Court? I know how many. Zero. The answer is zero women have done that. Whatever you think the typical situation is, this isn't it. It doesn't fit into any of your typical situations for sexual assault. This is a these are left-wing women with left-wing lawyers with a, a very polarized country in a situation where they think there's a war on women and they think there's an existential threat to their reproductive freedom. We're not typical right now. And to try to, to try to do that, to put those overlays on top of this specific situation, it isn't reasonable. It is not rational. What is rational is to evaluate the claims of these women, to do it quickly, and if there's, no, if there's nothing they can give us, we need to move on. We need to move on and get this guy confirmed. This is chaos caused to an entire country over claims that might be, they might be true. There's no evidence that they are true, but it's affecting the business of an entire country for these claims, and it's... Man, I wish folks that are anti-Kavanaugh knew what they were doing. If he doesn't get confirmed, you will have broken this process. There will never be a Supreme Court nomination contest that doesn't go like this now. You don't think there is unreputable people on every side that will play these games? That will just start bringing out people who are willing to lie? And this is a point I forgot to make about the timing. You know, the... You have to know, Republicans in the Senate, the Democrats are go they're just going to keep lining women up. Every Friday, they'll bring another one out. Maybe they'll switch it up and get fancy, do one on a Saturday, so that you have a reason to try to keep delaying, keep delaying. There is no end to the women who will continue to come up and make a claim. And the fact that you are entertaining them this way, you are going to cause an equal and opposite, maybe worse reaction the next time 
you have broken the confirmation of Supreme Court justices by doing what you've done, and this is no way to to run a government. It's I even saw somebody else I generally respect who is lining up these claims that well, there's going to be a third woman and a fourth woman, and it, that was from Michael Avenatti, who is is famous because he represents a porn star, Stormy Daniels, who is famous because. He he represents someone who admits to having uh, to to committing adultery with a married man. Like Stormy Daniels is not a good person. The fact that she hurts Donald Trump doesn't make her a hero. She's still a horrible human being. And so this guy Avenatti, her lawyer, seems like he's going to have other accusers. And it's now become clear that he got pranked. Some people were wasting his time and making up things to try to embarrass him. Was the goal? But he ran too fast with it, and he's. He should be embarrassed by what he's done. But even this smart person, just he's inclined to believe it. He just wants to believe it. He wants this to be true of this nominee. And it's no way to it's no way to be a thinking person. We all we can do is evaluate evidence. It, th- this is a moment, what we're seeing here, trying to put the Me Too movement on top of this, because Me Too has some value. And Me Too is at least where, where it started was important. I don't know now where it's going. It seems to be off the tr- off the rails. But trying to overlay that on top of what we're talking about here is just not right. It's not a rational thing to do. I had a couple other thoughts here on this. Let me let's yeah. How about this one? Oh, this one will make everyone mad at me. Great. I love comments like these. In talking about sexual assault, I wish we would start being a little bit more judicious with our use of the word survivor. So. It seems like any, anyone who has had a bad experience with a guy of any uh, uh, of any consequence, we get to call a survivor. And I don't think we should. And here's why. Survivor is a word with a meaning. Like, it's in the, it's in the uh, dictionary. We, we actually have a definition for this word. And so the way we're using it doesn't actually apply to every woman that's had a bad interaction with a guy. In the denotative sense of survivor, it's supposed to mean this that a circumstance came along that actually threatened your life, or at least your well-being in some way, and you persisted through it, you, you were able to get past it, and so you survived that, that input, you survived that circumstance. And then we use the term survivor for women who what's verifiably were absolutely you know, raped or assaulted. We call them survivors. I can see that. I can see using that word for that totally fine. But then also this other, this woman who says that Brett Kavanaugh exposed himself in front of her at a Yale party with no evidence whatsoever that he did such a thing. She was being called a survivor. I'm hearing women called survivors that heard a dirty joke or had a comment made to them. All right, well, so you're not a survivor. Let's at least get our, our term straight. If, if a woman, if a college girl at Yale has a guy expose himself to her, was she violated in some way? Yeah. She's a victim. We can use that word. She's a victim. And the guy, if a guy does that, he needs to be punished. The woman who gets spoken to dirty by some guy who, who imposes that upon her, she's a victim. And that guy needs to have some kind of punishment applied to him. Now, you're not a survivor, though. And when we use that term, survivor, it does minimize the other serious situations that women find them in, that that term is getting applied to all of them. Okay. I guess this, oh yeah, this is my last argument. I'm, I heard the argument on NPR. I read it on social media. 
here's how it went. Well, some people are arguing that J- Brett Kavanaugh is the one who has the burden of proof here, not the women, because he's the one on a job interview. That's what these confirmation hearings are. They're a job interview, and he has to prove that he is a good candidate. Okay, then mission accomplished. He did it. He sat for hours and hours and hours of questioning, did a great job. He's got a great record, expert in his field, totally qualified in every way, just as qualified as the eight people who are currently on the Supreme Court. All right, he did it. Because you know what doesn't happen at your job interviews? No one accuses you of anything. Right? That's not that's not a thing in job interviews. When your employer goes out to hire somebody new, they don't put out a, a call. Hey, has anyone uh, ever been raped by this guy? Uh, we're thinking about hiring this guy. Anybody out there on planet Earth uh, had a bad experience with him? No, that doesn't happen. Now, the I'm not allowing that burden of proof to be shifted, and you shouldn't either. If you if you are going to involve yourself in a massive piece of politics, a massive part of our government that's happening, you're going to insinuate yourself into the situation. You're going to need to be quick. You're going to need to be professional. You're going to you're going to need to respect everyone else around you in this process. So I, I want to I do want to be sen- sensitive to true Me Too claims. Folks that come forward and say, here's the thing that happened to me. I want justice. Here's some proof, or maybe I can't provide proof, but here's, here is my story. In general, I want to be, and I think I do succeed in being, sensitive in those situations. This is, again, I've already said it once. I want to say it one more time. This is not typical. This is, lit- this is literally the opposite of typical. We don't do Supreme Court justice confirmations often. It's a very unique situation we're in. And you don't get to, to, to Christine Blasey Ford and to anyone else who's going to, because I don't think we're at the end of people uh, accusing him of things, because that's the politics we're playing. To all of them, if you're going to demand to be a part of this, you don't get to be the center of attention, okay? Come forward, make your claim, claim give your evidence, and we're going to consider it and move on, okay? If you have any, if it's, if it's worth believing, then uh, then I, I, I do think it's disqualifying, by the way. I, I should clarify that, too. I, I had a conversation with somebody online that said, well, if he's just being accused of fondling a girl when he was 15 or 16, and she was 15 or 16, and she didn't want him to for, for like a couple seconds or a minute, and then he falls off of her because he's so drunk, well, that's not disqualifying. That happened almost 40 years ago. You can't disqualify somebody for something he did 40 years ago. I don't know. I pro- probably can. I mean, if if it if he did do that, I'm I am totally fine with kicking him off the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And yeah, you don't you don't get to have a public life anymore. But y- what you did to this girl is bad enough. But if you're going to claim these things in this very unique setting, the burden of proof is on you. You will do it in the order in which you were asked. That's another thing that was so absurd to me. Well, we're gonna we want to testify under these circumstances. No, you don't get to set terms. And then I, I had somebody say, "Well, why why not use her terms? Because she's not the center of the planet. Because we're we're in a process right now that affects a country, a constitutionally necessitated process that affects 320 million people. No, use some professor with no proof. You don't get to make the terms. Okay, just show up when we tell you to show up, and you will say your piece. That there, her lawyers are even saying." We want Kavanaugh to go first, and then we testify second. Okay? No. You you want him to respond to claims you've not made? There's a reason in criminal court that the prosecution goes first. 
so that the defense can know all the claims, and then they get to defend themselves. The same, he, he deserves that same thing here. He deserves the same courtesy, even though this is not a criminal proceeding. He deserves, and it's supposed to be a job interview. Okay, well, you at least have to tell me everything you're saying about me, then, sh- then shut your mouth, go away, I'm going to respond. But the fact that she was even you know, getting to make any kind of demands, that's all absurd. It's all stupid, the way this, is, way this has been handled. All right, to sum up, and then I have another thing I want to do today. These women have provided no proof. You don't get to overlay broader conversations about Me Too and sexual assault onto this because this is a very unique situation. Every study and every statistic you think you know about sexual assault does not apply here. It's not a typical situation. These women did a very bad thing by associating themselves with very left-wing movements and left-wing attorneys. It's made it harder for them to have any credibility. The second accuser has a case that should be easy to prove it happened, and she's not even been able to find a witness to put Kavanaugh in the building where she was. Even after trying, this other woman, Blasey Ford, has a story that contradicts itself in her own therapist notes. There's just no, there's just nothing here. And then also the bigger two things, uh, the big broader outside of that. Let's be careful about how we use the word survivor. And then, in general, the idea that we just believe women because they're women That's a terrible way to determine what is true and what is false. We're going to take an early break here, come back, and I want to try to get to a a video I heard of someone who has fallen away from the Christian faith and respond to a couple notes in it. We'll do that when we come back on the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. Glad to have you with us. We've got to go quick here because I want to get some time to sports at the end. Uh, Wesley, and thanks to Wesley for sending this in to me. Again, if when you do my job for me, it's highly appreciated. So material like this you want to send in, it's always appreciated. Uh, there's apparently some Christian music group that I never heard of that were a big deal uh, where the husband in the group now calls himself an atheist, and it made some news in the Christian world. His wife has a video out uh, talking about their faith journey and how they fell away from faith. And so I want to play a chunk of that for you. Here's what she said thus far. She has said they've had a charm life. They got married in college, got married way, way young. Uh, they got a great job at a church that took really good care of them. Uh, and then they couldn't get pregnant. And she was confused by that because her view of God was very transactional. So we do good things, then God does good things for us. That was her view. Now, of course, that's wrong. It's incorrect. Her theology was bad. She never quoted any Bible on that. It was just her impression. So my impression is you do good things, God does good things back. Uh, And so here's a little bit more of their story together in their journey towards losing faith. He started trying to get pregnant, and he couldn't get pregnant. And people would tell me, just pray and believe. Like, just say it, and it will happen. And I thought, I just don't know how that can be true. So you don't know why that can be true, because it's not true. So you were just getting bad theology. You weren't actually practicing the real Christianity. Someone was telling you that that's how God works. You do good things, then he pays you back with blessings that you want. But there's no Bible for that. So if you were just understanding that from your own instincts, the God you were worshiping is not the real one anyway. We were traveling the world. We were going overseas and playing to sometimes 60,000 people in arenas. The more we ran into other people's stories, the more we started doubting what we'd been given. Michael and I took this trip in Europe from Rome. We took trains up to Krakow. We visited the concentration camps. We walked through the crematoriums. And it's real hard to come back to America and pray for something 
when you have these images of people's hair in piles and children's shoes in piles. Are you hearing what I'm hearing? It's truth by experience. When you determine truth by, well, the stories I'm hearing from people and the things I learn make me think that if there is a God, he doesn't do things right. That's my experiences. This is what you should be hearing on this. That when you determine truth by what you experience only, you're going to have the wrong idea because you're flawed. You don't think right. Your brain is broken. My brain is broken. It's called sin. It's called the fall. And so for them, they just decided my experiences tell me that there's something wrong here. Now, what's a word you haven't heard once from her and you won't hear it one time for the, I don't know, seven or eight minutes of this video? We're not playing the whole thing. You will never hear the Bible. <laughs> it, that's where actually Christianity comes from. That's their problem. Jesus saying, you know, Jesus said, some of them go out from us because they were never of us. Well, that's just them. You didn't drop Christianity for atheism. You dropped a fake Christianity for atheism. One that didn't exist. One where Jesus comports himself to what you are and what you want, not as he was revealed in Scripture. That's the big theme I want to get you here. They are disappointed and get everything wrong because they never picked up their Bibles. They didn't have what the Bible said about Jesus in their head, what the Bible said about God. They made up a God, and the God they made up did not meet their expectations, and so they ended up disappointed. Your ideas on what a good God is can change pretty dramatically. So I came back and, and found myself trying to pray for us to have a baby or pray for our church or pray for these different things. And I just kept thinking about the concentration camp and how my whole perspective on my faith has been a transaction. If I'm good enough or if I pray enough, if I believe enough, then I get blessings and I get a baby or a good life. It's not how life is. We no, it's not. That's not the Bible doesn't teach that. And again, it's just back to experience. I was thinking, I, I was thinking, I was feeling. Who, who cares what we think and feel? For Christianity, it's we go to Scripture. There's some key words here that Scripture has its pers has perspicuity. It's clear that Scripture is is immutable. It doesn't change. Its truths are not. Its truths don't change over time. And it's sufficient. It has everything we need. But this is a really experience emotional appeal to why she, she doesn't understand Christianity, why it didn't make sense to you. Well, of course it wouldn't. Not, not to you, because you didn't even get to, to the source of its truth. The source of Christianity's truth is the Bible, not your feelings and how you react to it. Now, uh, she, I'm going to skip ahead some. They decide because they're doubting and having struggles with their faith. They leave their church and start another church. That's going to work out well. Go to Denver. We end up starting a little house church in our apartment. Our whole goal for it was that it was inclusive and that it was vulnerable. And Yeah, our goal for it was that it was inclusive and vulnerable. Right? This is, again, this is not even Christianity you're practicing. You don't get to have a goal for your church. That's not the goal. The church was given its mission statement. Jesus stood on a hill. He said to all the followers of Christ that were, that were there on the planet at the time, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's your mission statement. So your your job as a church, my our job as a church, a Beachwood Church, what do you do? Make disciples. We see people who are the lost sheep come in. We, we see people convert to Christianity, and then we 
we disciple them in the ways of Jesus. So you went to Denver, he started a church with your with you coming up with its mission statement, you deciding what you wanted, and it was going to be inclusion. It has nothing to do with the gospel, it has nothing to do with Jesus. Again, this is not someone falling away from Christianity. This is someone falling away from an idol, from a cult they made up. It was this place that we had always dreamed of church being. More questions and more doubt uh, were arising for Michael and I. Our like heretic levels kept like shifting and changing and like kind of one up in each other. <laughs> yeah, heresy's hilarious. Uh, looks like we're not going to be able to finish this. The rest of her story is uh, she ends up having another baby. Baby has Down syndrome, leads to even more doubt because again, bad things happen. It means God's not around. And then because they are espousing heretical things. Christian magazines, Christian blogs say, hey guys, you should probably stop listening to these people. They are heretical. They're outside the faith. So the church did its job and clarified. That's, that's part of what the church's job is, by the way. Clarifying who's in and who's out. When folks who are claiming to be of the kingdom of God are teaching false things, you're not doing your job, especially as a Christian leader, if you're not warning people from listening to them. Because those folks are going... I mean, The bottom line is bad theology leads to stuff like this. It leads to suffering. And the church did what it was supposed to. It said, hey, these folks are not in. And so anyway, they're out there atheists now, living their life. That was the That's the story. Just a couple general thoughts. Move on to sports. One, suffering, its existence in the world, and then personal suffering, bad things happening to people. It is the thing I, I think most often people use as an excuse for their secularism. For some people, it's genuine. It's a genuine thing. They just can't fit it. Can't fit it in their head. There is a good God. Why would anything bad ever, ever happen? But for the most part, uh, folks are atheists for other reasons, and then they just find this argument to be compelling. So my big advice for every Christian, it is very, very important that you get your theology of suffering straight before you suffer. So if you are trying to figure out suffering and why it happens while you're suffering, you'll never figure it out. You'll be miserable. You have to have that s settled beforehand. And so for the believer, here's, here's what we believe. We believe the world is marred by sin, that it's broken. People do broken things. People, I mean, we do horrible things to ourselves even. And often our suffering is caused by our own mistakes or by what others have done to us. We also believe that for the believer, that all things will work together in the end for good. Now, that, that word good in the Bible there is specific to this. All things will work together to make you more like Jesus. Not all things will work together to make you more comfortable. Not all things will work together for you to have more, to get more, to have the things you think you want. All things are going to work together to make you more in the image of Christ. That might be uncomfortable. But that's what we believe. We believe the best thing is more of Jesus. That's the ultimate good. And so where there is suffering for the Christian, God is using that suffering to refine and deepen our faith and become more like Jesus. Now, pain for the non-believer, it's two things. One, it is, again, the result of the fall. Suffering is result of sin being in the world until Jesus redeems it all. But it is also a mercy. I know that's hard to hear, but listen. It is a mercy that God allows us to feel suffering, to suffer, so that it points the unbeliever to him. All of the aches of this world are designed to point us to something above us. 
Ecclesiastes details this a great deal. It's not really about suffering in Ecclesiastes. It's emptiness. Why does all my money feel good for a minute and then it's empty? Why do all these women make me feel good for a minute and then I'm empty? Why does all of my reputation make me feel good and then it's empty? It's, and it's, uh, he uses the word under the sun, under the sun. All of my money under the sun. All of the women under the sun. All of my name and reputation under the sun. Why does that make me feel so empty in the end? And he doesn't answer the question, but he's asking you, the reader, well, all of those things are under the sun and under the sun and under the sun. So if you're looking for real meaning, real meaning to fill up that emptiness, well, you have to look above the sun. You have to look beyond the earth for that meaning. And the same thing is here with pain and suffering on this earth. That what one of the reasons God gives it is to get your mind from below the sun and try to get your mind on things above it. Suffering points us to look to something bigger than ourselves to reconcile it. So I'm not discouraged by these two people. I mean, I'm discouraged by them because I want to see them come back to faith and I want to see them repent of their sins and follow Jesus. But as that floats around the internet, I don't want you to be discouraged by it. Or that, or that argument, I want you to know the response to it and how we think about suffering. And as you have the conversation with people, I want you to be equipped for it. And with about a minute I have left, I want to do one more thing. Again, I'm talking to you midweek. Something's happening Thursday with the Kavanaugh hearing. Please do monitor what's going on on my anchor, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, the iTunes, Apple Podcast, CoreyTruax.com, wherever you listen because if I have the chance, I mean, I'm on the road a lot right now, but I really hope to sit down and talk about whatever takes place there, because it's, it's big. Uh, I think something for, I think we're we're at a moment we're all going to look back on. I I do mean that. I think something very important is happening with the process surrounding what's going on with this Kavanaugh hearing, and so I'm going to try to get back to revisit that, uh, because our our systems are are breaking there. I mean, I certainly understand this is not a criminal trial. But some of the the standards that people are using, it's just not a way that we can move forward. We can't just continue to uh, to operate this way. And now we're even seeing some senators that that shouldn't be wavering waver. Uh, so there's there's likely more to cover on that first story. We'll come back and do it. But for now, we're out of time for serious stuff. So let's move on to sports. talking sports as we do with sports correspondent his name is Heath Powell hello there sir hello so uh, there was a big upset in yes there was college football I don't even know if Old Dominion is an FBS school is that they I, F- I think they're Furman level FCS. I think they're FCS and if, they, they I could be wrong about that but I think they are I'm almost positive and they go to Virginia, Virginia Tech a ranked team and beat them yeah and Old Dominion is 0-3 I did not know that well, they're they're one in, one in three now, but <laughs> I w- you know I, I expect when that happens for them to be an app state level team, right. like dominating the FCS, right? But zero and three, and then go into Virginia Tech. Yeah, they went into Virginia. I mean, Virginia Tech looked horrible, but I mean, Old Dominion had a running back who had to be two hundred and seventy pounds. I mean, he had to be six foot two. He was awesome. The quarterback was awesome. I, I don't know what got into Old Dominion, but they looked much better than zero and three. You know, I didn't watch a second of that game. Right. I just saw the. The, the score thought it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause it's Virginia Tech. I mean, they had a – didn't they win their uh, – they won the division two years ago. Almost beat Miami last year to win that division. Yeah, I mean, who's going to win that division this year? Because Boston College lost. To whom? Oh, Purdue. Purdue. So, uh, Boston College will win that division. I mean, think so? Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they lost to an out-of-division opponent. I know, I'm just saying, but it just looks bad. Yeah. Let's go, we'll, we'll transition right here into that Clemson game. 
this is that problem for Clemson. I think they're going to roll into a thirteen and zero. Right. And there's but just, the but the big win is at A and M and a great win. Yeah, that's a quality win. But there's just garbage on that schedule. This is the first time Clemson's had a really garbage schedule. That's true. But when the schedule is made, you don't know that Florida State's going to be a dumpster fire. You yeah. don't know that Miami's going to be horrible. You don't know Virginia Tech's going to lose the Old Dominion at home. You just don't know any of this stuff. Yep. When you schedule uh, Texas A&M like that, you you expect them to be good. Right. But then you're expecting, well, we're going to have an ACC championship game that's going to be hard. Right. And then you're going to have Florida State every year. Right. And you think Louisville's going to continue to ascend. Right. I mean, they're all bad. None of that happens. <laughs> None of them are good. And so, in, in any event, to the uh, Clemson-Georgia Tech game first, any reaction there, too? Uh, not really. Um, it is what it is. Venables has that that scheme down, I think. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you, though. Trevor Lawrence looked awesome. And it's, you know, I'm not bashing Kelly Bryant, but Trevor Lawrence looks like the quarterback. I mean, he looks like it. With the – again, with the teams on the schedule, it feels like they can, though, play them both. They can. It's not going to – it's not going to hurt anything. Nah. And Kelly Bryant's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like he's a, a loser. He just – He had two uh, completions to TJ Chase in the third quarter. They right. were great throws. Yep. I do agree with you, Lawrence does open up some things you otherwise can't do. Yeah, I mean, he – vertically, he's just insane. I mean, move, his throw on the run – To run from. Opposite his body to run in the corner. Then he throws on the move going the other direction to his strong hand. I mean, good grief. He just made some throws that were just like, okay, this – I mean, you, you can see he's legit, but every week he keeps proving that he's legit. He made some throws that you see on Sundays. Right. During that game. Yep. And I mean, as I'm a guy who likes the Sunday football better than the Saturday football. Right. That was fun to watch. Those are hard things he did out there. They are. I mean, you know, he's six six. He can see over the line. He can see over the linebackers, which gives him an advantage in the vertical game. He can see when the receivers come open. You know, he's just got a lot of advantages to his size and his arm strength and all that stuff. The other South Carolina team, uh, I guess, that people care about. Because there's another team that I care about, by the way, that got the first division win. North Greenville beat Delta State. Well, that's good. Yeah, we're good. We're, <laughs> I, I think one and zero in the conference. We're just doing that conference. Is Delta State in Georgia? It's all the way out in Mississippi. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we, that makes sense. Delta State. Okay. It was like a nine-hour drive to get out there. Why are they in the same conference? Uh, With the team in Tigerville. North Greenville decided to join the SEC of Division Two, and this is this is like the best division in in D two in D two. Well, that's good. And it's all that Gulf Coast. It's Mississippi. It's Alabama. It's all, Louisiana. Right. It's way down there. I got you. And some Panhandle. Well, that's Florida. good. Yeah, we're the only ones in South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina rolled Vanderbilt, and I did not see that coming. Well, at the end, they ended up rolling them. Okay. It was tight all the way up. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. I didn't watch any of the game. Mine it was, was close. Um, I think Brentley had, I don't know, one touchdown pass. Okay. I mean, he had 300 yards or so. but Yeah. Uh, did, I think South Carolina's close to being good. They're on their way. They're on the cusp, yeah. The other another uh, team of local imp- of import, the Georgia. Uh, the Georgia score looked closer than I expected, but again, I didn't watch the game. Yeah. Was that game a two touchdown? Yeah, game? I mean, it was it was a tighter game than the score ended up being. Okay. It's just Georgia's more talented, so yeah. it came out in the end. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was at the gym the next morning. Saw, right. Saw some highlights. They they continue to get superhero running backs. Uh, they they do, man. It's crazy. They just keep running them through. Right. The the NF. I'm into fantasy football as well. Yeah. I like start looking in in fantasy world. The running backs you want are all Alabama and Georgia guys. Yeah, because they're all six foot two and three hundred pounds. You can't tackle those guys. <laughs> so that reminds me, one thing I wanted to bring up on that Clemson game is e- ETN is look, man. That's the best. This kid just does not 
get tackled. I mean, he's insane. He, you know, he's he looks tall, but when he starts running, it's like he's almost hunched in half. Yeah. Where all you can see is his knees moving. That's all you can see. And he takes hits and hits and hits. But, look, this kid's legit. His, he's obviously the best running back at Clemson yes. by far. He's arguably you – know, I was going to say he's the best player, but that's not true. There's too many other guys that you could argue. Well, I think you can say he's one of the best. I mean, yeah. he really is. I, there was one tackle that sh- like a guy had him, like had him by the way, yeah. and he just kind of bends weird. His that's what I'm saying. He looks weird when he runs. He's yeah. he's almost hunched over in half at the waist. Mm-hmm. All you can see is his knees going up and down, and he's just flying. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I love watching him play. It's, I don't. I'd like to see uh, some sports science on his center of gravity and speed and force it. and all that stuff. It's that center of gravity. It's the thing. center of gravity so low. He, you know those tackle dummy things that always stand back yeah. up. We had his kids. Yeah, that's what he feels like. Yeah, there's something in him that just keeps him grounded. Because he gets hit, and then he spins, and then he gets hit again. He steps out of it, and he gets hit again. He spins the other direction. Yeah. It's nuts, man. I feel like there was another It's there was another game of uh, – it was Oklahoma. Yes, and Army. That game went to overtime, am I right? Yes, it did. I mean, the number five team getting a really big scare from a service academy. A service academy that held the ball for almost 45 minutes. It's incredible. <laughs> they ran almost 100 plays on Oklahoma. That's when you're holding – you're not snapping it till there's two seconds left on the play clock. Yeah, two seconds left. And play. like every possession was like a fourth and a fourth and one, fourth mm-hmm. and inches, and they just keep running the ball. The best way to beat these great, great offenses is make them sit down over there. It is. I'll be honest with you, though. I want the army. I, I always want the service academies to win you because sure? these kids are not going to play football after this, more than likely. Yeah. Um, they have you know they have an important job when they get done. So. I really like seeing them win. Then one or two more questions here. Uh, there is a chance to avenge last year's one regular season loss for the uh, for the Clemson Tigers this week against the Syracuse Orangemen. Right. What do you expect to see? I expect to see a blowout. That's what I expect to see. Me too. It's uh, not Friday the 13th. You're not in the carrier dome. Your quarterback's not, not hurt. It's not Friday night. It's not Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it should be par for the course as usual and then one more prediction I actually I'm, I'm going to take South Carolina over Kentucky this week uh going up I think it's a tough one that's a very rough game you got Kentucky at home yeah I picked that preseason though over South Carolina all right thanks for coming in and talking sports I appreciate we'll it we'll be back with another new edition of the show next week until then everybody peace and love